Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week, Pastor Chris and Pastor Sai talk about how God delights in each and every one of us. And we find that in the book of Zephaniah. Check it out. Uh, Today, we're going to continue in our series that we've called Back to Eden. And there was a time in history when everything was perfect. It was pristine and abundant in natural beauty. Do you remember that time? Uh, I mean, there was a time before the fall when everything was perfect. It was very good until it wasn't. But, but thankfully, thanks be to God that, that our Lord continues to redeem and restore all that was lost in that moment in the garden when Adam and Eve fell. And the Lord continues to draw us back to himself. He desperately wants us to be in deep relationship with him. One guy who who the Lord has used along the way to redeem and restore all that was lost was a guy named John. And John was exiled to an island called Patmos. And uh, he had been with Jesus. He had seen the miracles. He had uh, uh, been involved in all of the things. He had seen it all. And then the Lord commissioned him. He sent him to this island, and he said, uh, record everything that you see and tell people about it. And he was given special insight into God's vision for the world. And God's vision for the world, we find, and we live, and we experience it, is that oftentimes our life and the world and the way in which we interact with it is different than God's intended design. And so John wrote about these things. And he wrote about them in the book of Revelation. And we're going to hang out in the book of Revelation a lot more uh, a little later in the fall. But here's what I want you to grasp today um, from this. Uh, there, there are these words that come that at the end of every letter, he said, um, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Lord is saying to the churches. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, over the course of the past few weeks, you've seen and heard a lot of things about the way in which the Lord delights in us. The Lord delights in you, and the Lord delights even in me, and and the Lord desperately desires that um, we would delight in Him in return. We've seen and heard how God is all about this delight. We've seen connection between God's creation and Jesus' proclamation, the way in which Jesus goes about uh, loving us as beloved sons and beloved daughters, even in Jesus' baptism, right? There was this moment where, where Jesus came up out of the water and a voice from heaven said, behold, this is my son or this is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. The Lord, friends, is well pleased with you. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, these are powerfully transformational 
realities, that the Lord takes great delight in us, that um, He rejoices over us, that um, we are His and He is well pleased with us. And just like John would say, um, as uh, the person who was sent to the island of Patmos, he interacted with people just like Old Testament prophets would. And as an Old Testament prophet would proclaim a word to the people, it was as if God was saying these things to the people. And so this morning, we're going to hang out in an Old Testament text with the last of the book of 12 prophetic books in this guy named Zephaniah. And Zephaniah prophesies to the people. And as we read this part of of Scripture, my hope is that your eyes will be opened, that your hearts will be opened, and that you will see and hear and experience some things that are pretty powerful. It's as if God is speaking them to you through the prophet. But if you, chances are, I don't want to shame anybody, so I'm not going to do this, but I mean, chances are you haven't read Zephaniah. Or if you have, you've only read the good parts of Zephaniah because there are really good parts. And the good news is that we are going to hang out in the good parts today, (laughs) but we also need to spend a little time in the tougher part of the text, so that we can experience the good part. So one of the things that's true is as, old, as prophets speak the word and as, as God does these things, uh, God's um, judgment and God's hope need to come together. They should be presented in such a way that, that they come at us together so that we get clear on um, what it is that God has for us. God will both judge us because that's how God is, and God gives us hope. And so as we turn to the word of the Lord today, we're going to be in Zephaniah chapter 3. It's about in the middle of your Bible. If you brought one, this is the time to open your Bible. You can throw open your preferred electronic device to Zephaniah chapter 3. And as we do this, I invite you to pray with me. Let's pray. Father, would your word be our rule? Holy Spirit, would you teach us? And may the glory of Jesus, even in an Old Testament text, be our single concern. Amen. Friends, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Verse 14 of Zephaniah 3. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Those are some really beautiful words, right? Really beautiful words. But here's the thing, 
Um, as we read those words, it's also true that um, verse 1 of Zeph- or chapter 1 of Zephaniah is also really powerful. In fact, it, it's scathing. Now, I don't have time to read all of Zephaniah chapter 1 to you, but it's true that there is uh, trouble in the text. Uh, the people of God are, are worshiping uh, other gods in Zephaniah 1. Uh, they're worshiping gods like Baal and, and Malek. And the Lord says, we're not going to do this. Um, this is not the way in which uh, you are supposed to live your life. Now, Baal was uh, this, um, this, this god of fertility and infertility. And, and the people had a convoluted idea of, of reproduction and where uh, it came from. So they would worship this other being. And, and they had uh, ideas about the way in which uh, sex mattered, the way in which um, it was supposed to be uh, uh, practiced in the world, and it was not so. So the Lord said, I will reach out my hand over everyone who worships Baal, and everyone who worships me and Baal at the same time. This is not how it is supposed to be. The Lord does not take delight in that. Now, we can say, okay, there's, there's trouble here. There's trouble in this text. But, but there's also trouble in our world, right? What are the bales in our world? Uh, one would be human trafficking. Human trafficking is uh, a billions and billions and billion dollar industry around the world. 25 million people are impacted every year by sex trafficking and human trafficking. And we can say, okay, that doesn't impact me in Sioux County, Iowa. That might be fair. Might not be. But what about pornography? Pornography is a $100 billion a year industry. Thirteen billion dollars is generated annually in the United States of America, and every second, 28,258 people are watching internet pornography. 28,258 people every second do the math. Now again, you might say, that's not me, that doesn't happen in my house, that would not ever happen in a Christian community. And then I want to hold up for you the the statistic that says 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women uh, take in pornography once a month. 84% of boys and 57% of girls the ages of 14 to 18 have seen pornography. It's a thing. Baal worship is still a thing. And again, you might say these things aren't true. The statistics tell us differently. And what about Malik? What is that? Um, 
Again, go read Zephaniah 1 a little bit later, but, but Moloch was this idol that people uh, worshipped where, where they would light it on fire, they would heat it on fire, and then they would sacrifice babies by, by putting it in Moloch's hands, and they would be seared and they would die. It sounds horrible. I don't fully understand all of this, but the, the people were, were worshipping something other than God's intended design. And so what happened then is this is still a season of sacrifices. And they would bring the, their, the, the people, they would sacrifice these children. And again, we say, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand that. What are the Moloks in our world? Who are the Moloks in our world? Maybe it's when we, um, as parents and adults, we put all of our needs and all of our interests and all of our desires ahead of the needs of our kids. Maybe that's a Moloch in your life. Abortion is one. Maybe it's not meeting the needs of every child that lives in, a, in the world. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Lord is saying to the churches. We're not off the hook. Because maybe, maybe we don't do those things, but we do other things, right? We have our own issues. Um, the text will tell you, there's the one passage that I'm going to go to in Zephaniah 1. The Lord says, I will bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. None of it. Maybe you're a merchant. Maybe you're a banker. Maybe you're a farmer. It, all of it, if we aren't worshiping the Lord, and we're worshiping these other things, the Lord will reach out his hand against us. It sounds really harsh. We're in a series called Back to Eden, which is all about delight. Who's delighting so far? I mean, it, it's coming, but I, I think we need to understand the, the seriousness with which this exists, because it creates separation between us and God, because that's it. When we don't experience delight, it's because there's separation between us and God. And in the Old Testament, there was all kinds of separation that existed. I mean, you, couldn't ha you didn't have 24-7 access to the Lord like we do. It's not how it worked. There were veils of separation between the people and God. There was three different veils that you had to get through in order to get there. One was at the outer court. The next one was at the door to the, to the holy place. And then there was one that divided the holy place from the holy of holies. And these veils of separation kept people out and, and kept God in. And all God has ever wanted all God has ever wanted for me and, and for you is that we would be closely, intimately connected to him, that we would glorify God and enjoy God forever, that we would delight in him because he delights in us. That, that word in the Hebrew, veil, literally means separated. 
When we're separated from God, we don't understand. And we don't understand the Lord's delight in us. It's that simple. To be in his presence is to delight in him and to be delighted in. But, but oftentimes we think that that's the thing. And, and what's true is I think that it's the thing behind the thing. There's a thing behind the thing all the time. So the worship of Baal, the worship of Malik, and everything else that creates separation from us isn't really the thing. So your sexual addiction, uh, drugs and alcohol, uh, uh, abandonment, um, abuse, greed, all of it. These are all things that mask the actual thing. They're not actually the thing. The thing is this, that these are just manifestations of the deeper thing. Do you understand that the Lord loves you? That um, he says, uh, you are my daughter and you are my son. In you I am well pleased. Do, do we grasp it? Because the thing is, is, is the, what we're doing when we are trying to um, take on or we engage in all of these other activities is we're trying to fill a God-sized hole in our heart. Do you have a God-sized hole in your heart? Have you had a God-sized hole in your heart? I mean, it's not unique to the people of the Old Testament, and it's not unique to me. I know it's been true for me, but all have sinned, friends, and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the wages of sin is death, and the scriptures declare that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're in trouble if we don't grasp the grace of God. And if grace wasn't available in the world, dating all the way back to the garden, all the way back to Eden, we're in trouble. But all God ever wanted and all God still wants is to be deeply connected to you and with you. And this is why God has continually put things into place to call us back. Say, I love you. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm in the midst of you. Stay with me. And if grace is the unmerited favor and kindness of God, do we not need grace and kindness? And so here it is in Zephaniah 3, the hard part's over. The hard part is over, but we read the prophet declare some powerful things. Zephaniah 3, 15. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. Whatever it is that, that you have had to do and, and engage in to deal with your thing, the Lord has turned it back. It doesn't have to happen anymore. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will I fear any harm. And, and look at verse 17 with me. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Even in the darkest moments of your life, those places and spaces where there's problems, the Lord takes great delight in you. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness and quiet you with his love. It's amazing, is it not? God has gone to great lengths to love you and to care for you and to have you understand it. Because the text told us that the Lord is in the midst of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And and God demonstrated his love for you and his love for me in this, that while we were still sinners, still sinning, Christ Jesus died for you. And while it's true, we read this in 1 John chapter 1, while it's true that the wages of sin is death, sorry it was Romans 6, but the gift of God is, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And while the scriptures say that if we say uh, that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. A God of grace, a God of love who has pushed back our enemies, our judgments are no longer held against us. He loves us and he's with us. I both hate and love the thing I heard Jamie say last week. Jamie said a lot of things, but one of the things he said was this, the punishment we receive is the one we have chosen. The punishment we receive is the one we have chosen. Our choices keep us from the Lord's delight. They keep us from delighting in the Lord. And it was true in the Old Testament times, as we talked about with with the entire veil, but it doesn't have to be true for us anymore. The Gospel of Matthew says, and when Jesus had cried again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When Jesus was ascended to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, separation between God and humanity was eliminated. It was destroyed. It was no longer necessary. And so now grace exists. It's yours. And if you declare with your with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when you're saved, you are in Christ. And when you are in Christ, you no longer need to live according to the desires of your flesh. You no longer have to give in to the patterns of the world. Friends, our God-sized holes are filled Spirit is alive and well and is in the midst of you, friends. God is in the midst of you. He has taken away the judgments against you, and he has cleared away all of the problems. He's cleared away all of your enemies. So when this is true, and when it's presented, when the lie is presented by the liar, don't buy it. Understand that the Lord is in your midst. He's pushing back your enemies and is making you new. There's another way to be. You don't have to do the things that you have perpetually done in your life. 
What's this look like? How, how is that true? So I accepted Jesus Christ on uh, February 4 of 1993, and, and I've been on this stage, and I've told you previously that uh, my mental model of God is that what came into my mind when I thought about God is that he was out there somewhere judging me. There was no way <laughs> when, when a holy God understands and knows everything that a person has ever done that, that God could love me. It's not possible. I mean, I even believe that there's no way that this God who in creation looked at everything he had done and said, it is very good. There was no way that I could be among the very good. And at times I, I questioned it. I questioned it a lot. I behaved in ways that weren't helpful and it kept me separated from God. Is there anybody with me? Has this been your story. And for me, when these thoughts and these feelings, when they come running at me and when they would come running at me, I would get into action to do whatever it was that I could do to fill the God-sized hole in my heart. And so I would work, I would perform, and I would strive for success. Now, don't hear me saying that working and performing and striving for success are wrong. They're not. In fact, the scriptures say, do whatever, whatever you do, do everything as if it's for the Lord. My problem, friends, is when I was working and striving and performing, it was all for me. It wasn't for the Lord. I didn't really care because I didn't believe that the Lord could actually delight in me. So I was trying to fill the God-sized hole with the success of the world. Is this you? Sure, I would tell Kathy that this is all for you. I'm doing it all for you. <laughs> and she might have believed it for a while, but, but the reality is that it was all for me so that she would think I was great and so that you would too and that you would and everybody would think that I was awesome because this was the thing I needed. And the working and the performing and the striving was the thing, except that wasn't the thing. Because there was something behind the thing. Remember? The thing behind the thing was that I didn't get that the Lord could actually take delight in me. What's the thing behind the thing for you? When I got clear on this a few years ago, uh, there were several things that were happening in my life at, at the same time. And, and one of them was this movie, The Greatest Showman, came out in 2017. Anybody see it? And, it, and when this movie came out, uh, I started, there was a couple of songs that, that really resonated with me. Uh, Never Enough and, and From Now On. And so those songs made its way into my playlist when I was working out, when I was driving in my car or my truck or, or whatever. Uh, I would play these songs. And the, the gist of the movie is that P.T. Barnum was born in poverty. And, and he met this well-to-do girl, and they fell in love, and they got married. And, and then he lost his job, and when he lost his job, um, he set out to make it. To work, and to perform, and to strive so that he would have all the things. He craved more. And so Barnum's working and performing and striving led him down a path that nearly cost him everything, 
It almost cost him his family. It almost cost him anything that he had ever earned. And those songs um, stayed with me. And so there's a couple of, uh, a couple of lines from that song that um, have really helped me. The whole song, I thought I would sing it, but that's risky. And Ray's like, nah, let's not do that. But there would never be enough accolades. There would never be enough attention. There would never be enough success for me. And what I really needed was to accept that the Lord actually delights in me. And the Lord delights in you. The Lord will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with his love. Do you understand this? Do you believe it? This song said, for years and years, I chased the cheers of always needing more. But um, the crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, when I would stop and see the Lord here, I remember what all this is for. So from now on, um, my eyes will stop being blinded by the lights. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight. When our eyes are opened, we recognize him. And like Barnum, I chased it all. (laughs) I thought that was it. And it was empty, it was hopeless, um, and I was unfulfilled. The hole was God-sized. And friends, the, God fills the hole. And it's his delight in me that fills it. It's his delight in you that will fill it for you. So we were winding through the Ozark Mountains a few weeks ago on vacation, and, and our kids were playing DJ, they're all adults, and then all of a sudden they, said, they started playing this soundtrack. I'm like, why are you playing this soundtrack? It's kind of weird, and I had my own moment winding through the, through the mountains as they're all chattering and, and jabbering. Um, I had my own moment, and, and I was reminded again, the Lord actually delights in me. I don't have to keep chasing. Friends, the Lord your God is in your midst. He's pushing back your enemies He's here. The judgments are gone. He takes great delight in you. He knows everything you've done. And he still loves you. He still delights in you. Your God-sized void, he wants to fill it. It's that simple. He rejoices over you with singing, and he will quiet you with his love. Three things, quickly, that have helped. Remember, relinquish, and rest. I played around the golf with Jamie uh, Friday morning. And while we were golfing, uh, he said, how was Father's Day? <laughs> and, and so I told him about several conversations that were really, really weighty. Um, and he looked at me and he said, uh, where are you? As if I was back in the garden. He said, where are you? And I said, uh, I'm remembering that the Lord has removed Um, my judgments from me. He's uh, doing the thing where he's turning my enemies back and he's in the midst of me. And this is on my good days, I do this. So I have to remember that. I have to remember that the Lord is doing these things, that he rejoices over me with singing and will quiet me with his love. 
I have to relinquish control because I still want to be Lord of my life. You too? You still want to be Lord? Relinquish control and give it back to God. And then, friends, it's when we do this, when we remember and relinquish that we can rest. The Lord takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with singing. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for the reality that this is true. That you have taken away our punishment. That you have turned back our enemies. And that we will never again fear any harm because you are in our midst. Thank you for being in our midst. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to be sin for us so that we might delight in you, that we would be free to do that. God, for anyone who wonders if it's possible or if it's true, would you grant them courage to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you have done all that you said that you would do. And then put people around them to help them do the same. God, we delight in you. Thank you for rejoicing over us. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.